Welcome back to the podcast. We're continuing with our Teaching During the Pandemic mini-series. Episode 58 talked about distance teaching, but I had so much quality information that I decided to split it into two podcasts. This podcast will be part two. We're going to have five guests come on and talk about a couple of the remaining questions that I got about distance teaching. I'm going to let all of my co-hosts introduce themselves now. Hi, my name is Jen, and I am from the handle Teach Love Autism. I teach grades 5th through ninth grade, and the type of classroom that I support is an autistic support classroom in a virtual cyber school setting. Hi, my name is Ashley. You can find me at Spectacular Days. I am currently a third and fourth grade elementary school resource teacher or cross-categorial teacher, which means I push into the general ed classroom throughout the day and differentiate the work taught by the elementary general education teacher. We do a lot of co-teaching depending on the year and the amount of students I have in the classroom. Hi, I'm Kim from Little Miss Kim's class. I teach in a third to fifth grade classroom for students with mixed needs. Hi, I'm Brianna Shoulders. My Instagram handle is SpedTeacherBree and I teach in a K through two um, MOID classroom. Hi, I'm Heather from Full Sped Ahead. I am currently teaching virtual academy in Illinois um, to self-contained life skills classrooms. One of the questions I got was how to collect data in a distance or virtual classroom. Heather and Ashley are both exclusively distance teaching and they're gonna share how they're making data collection work when they're not in the classroom with their students. So we are using Google Forms and tracking data through Google Forms. So I will create a list of IEP goals for each student and each student will have their own Google Form and there he'll be able to input his, his data on his end and I will be able to do the same and we can work collaboratively to track all the data. I'm collecting data digitally by using Boom Cards, Pear Deck, and small Google Meets. During my small groups using Google Meet, I'm doing Pear Deck as a whole group instruction. I'm also using Pear Deck to assign my students individual async work, and it's saved directly into my Google Classroom so that I can use that for data on their IEP goals and see their progress. In a whole group setting on Google, we are using whiteboard.fee. It's a great interactive whiteboard and I can share out my screen. Students can answer math questions, uh, comprehension questions, and do a variety of different things because all this is a digital whiteboard. You can also save students' answers to use as data collection. Flippity. Flippity is a great online resource that I'm using for blending um, for a portion of my OG online instruction. It's great to have the kids spin the wheel and see them blending different words together and seeing which areas they're having difficulty with. For some of my other students, I'm using Unique Learning and News to You. I'm taking portions of both News to You and Unique and using them for WH questions, for math resources, for reading books, and a variety of other things. 
And lastly, let's talk about Boom. If you follow me on social media, you know I'm a huge advocate for Boom learning. I love that my students can pick their character when they go in, they can be assigned certain amounts of decks each day, and the data is right there for you. It even shows you exactly what question they missed so you can tailor their instruction to exactly where they're having difficulty. There are a lot of great online resources and apps that you can use to help support your students, but it can be overwhelming to sift through all of that and figure out what's right for your class. Heather, Bree, Kim, Ashley, and Jen are all going to share their favorite resources, and hopefully by listening to this section, you'll be able to find a couple of resources that you can try and use with your class. For interactive PDFs, I have been using Kami or Kami, I'm not sure how it's said, um, but I've been using that to be able to edit and manipulate PDFs and so that if students need to submit work and type in a response, they can do that. Um, other apps that I have been using, <clears throat> we've really enjoyed IXL just because IXL has the variety of subject areas that students can be able to do asynchronous work, work by themselves, um, as fast or as slow as they need to. Um, and that gives them something to do when they're not on a live session with me. Yes, my go-to websites right now are Starfall and Super Simple Songs. I love, oh, and Storybots. Love, love, love them. My kids are very into it. And then for go-to resources right now, of course, TPT has a plethora of resources that you can pull. So right now I'm using like um, Teach Love Autism, Her Coin Recognition or Coin ID, um, Digital Task. I'm using Made For Me Literacy, different kinds of interactive um, calendar, slides that I can get just anything like you name it TPT is <laughs> where I go so my go-to apps and websites for virtual learning are paid apps so I know it's not ideal for everyone but if you have a district or a school that's able to buy you subscriptions to these they're amazing so the first is IXL they have a ton of math instruction. It will help you take data collection and do assessments. So IXL is amazing if you can get your hands on it. The next is education.com. This is great because you can also use it for data collection. You can assign students lessons and activities and there are also a ton of games on there. So this is great for reading, writing, math, typing skills. They have a ton of activities. All right. A lot of my favorite apps for online learning are Boom Cards, Flippity, Pear Deck, Whiteboard.fee, Epic, Starfall, and News to You, or Unique Learning. All of these have different components that assist my students with learning and helping differentiate the curriculum that they're being taught in the general ed classroom. Boom cards are great because you can find a bunch of free decks or even pay for decks just like teachers pay teachers and use it and tailor it to your students learning. 
Flippity is a free online resource that students can play and reinforce concepts that have been taught in class. Whiteboard.fee is just a virtual whiteboard and it's very easy to use. Pear Deck is great because you can use it for student-based instruction so they can go at their own pace for async work or you can have it in a small group environment and have the instructor pace it for them. It's great to pass off to paras to do as well because all they're doing is implementing the resources um, that you've created. Epic and Starfall are two other great resources that I've been using. Epic is great because it differentiates the books by DRA or other levels. So it's great to assign your kids some books um, and make their own little virtual library. Starfall is fun for my students that are struggling with phonemic awareness, with sound, letter sounds, and so much more. Some of my favorite apps to use in the classroom when it's a virtual setting are GoNoodle. I like using Vooks and Epic Books for reading stories aloud because of the interactivity. I also have really enjoyed using Google Slides, Boom Cards, and there's a website called GCF Global that provides lots of opportunities for students in the transition grade bands that are learning about careers and different life skills. I also have started to dabble in using Pear Deck, which can take your Google Slides and your PowerPoint presentations and give students a sense of uh, interaction and allow them to participate in some of the things that you're presenting. A lot of our students need hands-on manipulatives to learn, and that can be really hard to facilitate when you're not in the classroom with your students. Heather and Bree are going to share how they're giving their students access to what they need in that distance environment. So something that I've done, and I know this isn't possible for everyone, um, is I was able to go into my building and print off materials and make hands-on activities. So I sent home to my families work tasks, adapted binders, file folders, um, a lot of Velcro um, pick up, put on tasks so that parents can do that at home with their child, um, as well as they attend virtual sessions with me more live, but we all know that they need those hands-on interactive activities. So I'm gonna try to switch those out probably every couple weeks um, and I will arrange a time to come pick up the old materials and bring them new materials. So for manipulatives, all of my students, they got their own pack of manipulatives to go home with them. Um, also, if a student may have like misplaced them, then I send home like printer paper, like circles that they can cut out to make as their own manipulatives if possible. Um, and then like OT manipulatives, my OT and I collaborated and made OT packs for like different crayons and activities that they could use and just keep at home. Um, actually, right now I decided for in-person, I want my kids to bring all of their materials back so they can have their own separate bins for in-person teaching. It can be difficult to figure out how to apply your accommodations in a virtual classroom, but a lot of the times it's not too difficult if you just think about it in a different way. 
Kim and Ashley are both going to talk about some of the accommodations that they're giving their students and how they're making it work in that virtual setting. Finding ways to ensure that our students have accommodations during online learning is obviously so important. And I think my biggest tip is finding ways to add audio and visuals to everything you assign to students. So many of our students need that human reader in the school setting. So we need to find a way to do that online too. I do that through Seesaw. So Seesaw will allow me to record a video or audio to every assignment or anything I assign to students, which is great. I think another really important accommodation that we need to ensure students are getting are those behavioral supports. So any support that a student needs, like a first then chart or frequent breaks or using timers, we need to make sure we're doing that online too. And I think with creativity, we can actually implement most of those accommodations. I've started adding timers to my Google Slides for breaks and using token charts online. So I think those are probably my go-to accommodations um, and tips for applying them. Using accommodations in the virtual world has been quite challenging at times, but I finally found a few things that have worked for me. So when my students have an audio accommodation, I have been using ReadWrite, which is a Google extension, and I've created a screencastify to show my students and their adult with them or parents with them how to install it on their Chromebooks that they have and how to use it. We've been practicing in small group, especially when they're doing their asynchronous work, if they struggle with a word or if the passage might be difficult to read, how they can use ReadWrite to make their asynchronous work more independent for them. I also add audio to Boom Cards, and I add it to my student-paced Pear Decks that my students complete for async work. It's really easy to add audio to both of those platforms, and it makes the students feel much better that they don't, um, they don't get frustrated with having to read um, or become a little anxious if they believe the words or the passage will be too difficult. When a student has the chunking accommodation, so they need the whole schedule chunked into smaller groups, I will either tell them ahead of time what we're doing in class, and that way they can either write it down or I'll hold a sticky note up. But in all my small groups, I have a Google slide or whatever platform we're using, and I give them the three things that we're going to be doing so that they know what to expect first, second, and third. And the same with the their general ed setting when we do whole group, the general ed teacher has been really good about explaining exactly what they're um, expected to do. For any type of manipulatives, I've been using Toy Theater for math. It is a online virtual math manipulative um, website and it has literally everything you can possibly dream of and it has made math much easier and the parents love it because it's free. Um, calculator accommodation, we have a school pickup line. So if students don't have materials, the school has some that they can rent, borrow, however you want to say it. Or Toy Theater also has a virtual calculator, plus the Chromebooks that they use also has one on there. So that's a really great resource. Um, I have created a break card for some of my students that need breaks. And instead of blurting out or talking out during a whole group setting, they have a, a 
bright colored card that they flash really quick, get my attention or the teacher's attention or their specialist attention and they know exactly what to do. I have created a screencastify for their parents to know how to walk them through a break card or the adult that is with them on how to walk them through a break card and what that looks like. They have visual direction so it can be um, an independent thing for them to be doing. Plus I've also explained to all of their specialists like music teacher, art teacher, any of those exactly what that looks like for the students and how they are to use it. And if the students do use that in one of their specials, the specialist reach out to, reaches out to me so that I am aware and I can document it if need be. So adding accommodations in the virtual world has definitely been a challenge, but um, I've overcome it with you know, a lot of trial and error and reaching out to other teacher friends to give me some great ideas. Like I said, if you missed the first episode in this series, go listen to it because the co-host talked about some of the other questions people had about distance teaching. And we have one more episode remaining in the Teaching During the Pandemic series. It'll be episode 60, and our co-hosts are going to come on and just give us some general tips and guidance about surviving during this crazy time of teaching. So that one will release next week, and I hope you guys have been loving the series.